welcome to the Nerd Party. It's not working. How long since you've cleaned the heads? The what? The heads. Do you have any alcohol? To drink? What? No, no, to clean it. Check the tracking. The rental place closes in two hours. Shut up, shut up. It's working. Time for a retro perspective. Hello and welcome to Retro Perspective, the show on the Nerd Party, where we take a look at all of the movies released 25 years ago this week. But we're not looking at uh, that Sinbad movie that came out 25 years ago this week. Although I feel compelled to watch it. You may. You very (laughs) well may. Uh, But we are going to look back at the past year, 1994, and give our favorites for the year and all that good stuff. Yeah, yeah. We definitely, uh, you know, it's been a long journey getting from there to here. Been a long road. But our time is finally here. So, yeah. yeah. There you go. Yeah, we watched a lot of movies from 1994, you know? We sure did. It's hard to keep up with the movies from 2019. And then we added this on top of it. And Mm -hmm. that was, I still haven't watched Dolomite. I know. Wait, the original Dolomite or Dolomite? I watched the name? original. I didn't okay. watch the re- the the do- the new movie. Dolomite I, is my name. Because I've been sick and I was able to do a whole, you know, I was just like sitting there watching movies. I did catch up on Dolomite is my name and I can recommend it. And I can say also that it gives a new appreciation for how to approach the original Dolomite. Because okay. Well, that's good because it needs it. Well, yes, it does. <laughs> it's a bad movie. But it becomes more enjoyable because if the movie is in fact portraying uh, that what wound up being the intent behind it, it's like, oh, okay, all right, it's all right, it's actually a little bit better than than I thought it was, sort of thing. Okay, so different than the room. Let's put it that way. Yeah. 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 Did you watch? I know you said you watched Six Underground. Did you watch The Two Popes? I have not watched The Two Popes. No. Okay. All right. I need to watch Dolomite is my name. I need to watch Dumbo and I need to watch the uh the Martin Scorsese uh Bob Dylan documentary. Ah, yeah. No, I was no, going to say no, The Irishman? No, so, no. Nah, I saw that. Uh so did I. I saw that. Uh but I also um I got to get to Marriage Story. Mm-hmm. Which has gotten a lot of praise. Yeah. Yeah. Watch The Two Popes first. <laughs> I don't know. Substantially better. Okay. Fair enough. Anyway. Um, yeah. So, okay. Well, should we take a look at 1994 and uh, our, oh, yes, our top let's. 10? Let's, let's definitely look at 1994. But the thing is, you know, like we knew we were going to come back. We were going to talk about our top 10 and everything. Shouldn't we talk about our top 10 and then like put like a little asterisk where it's like accepting Pulp Fiction and Shawshank Redemption and... All of that, because the thing is, I can already tell you that uh, even though I didn't revisit Shawshank Redemption, it's in my top 10. Pulp Fiction's in my top 10. Forrest Gump's in my top 10. Um, and tell me something else that I'm overlooking. That uh, Well, I mean, uh, I, I think that, that that's going to be the case. But I mean, I think that's part of it is like being like, look at this year. And also, I mean, like a lot of those movies that you mentioned are in my top 10, but there's some which are decidedly not. Yeah, yeah, very so, true. I and you know I'm I'm a big fan of like not diluting 
like best of, of year or best of decade list, like people are like, here are my 100 favorite films of the teens. And I'm like, yeah, really? Like I had trouble making a list of 10, you know, not that I'd, I'd only like 10 movies, but it's like, I want this to be like elite, like, you know, you know what I mean? Yeah. And that's, I don't know. So, so I, I have no problem with, you know, numerous established masterpieces being in my top 10. Okay. Perfect. Then perfect. Then because you know, we we've locked up several spots then in the top 10 just coming out of the gate. So yeah. 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 So should we start, we'll start with like number, uh, number 10, work our way up to number one. And you know, if, if one of us has something higher, we'll, we'll, we'll skip it and come back to that later on. Sure. I'm good. Yeah, that works. That works. All right. What's your number 10? Well, I mean, honestly, because the thing is, I have everything, uh, you know, in a list. And okay. so while you're, you're working on that, I'll give my number 10. Go ahead. Give you number 10. Actually, I know that this isn't going to work because my number 10 is going to be higher on your list. So we're going to have to skip over it to get to your number 10. But Go on. Go on. Give me, give me your number okay. 10. My number 10 is the Shawshank Redemption. It would be higher on my list. Yes, you're absolutely yeah. right. Yeah. Okay. All right. Well, f- figure out what your number 10 is while, while you're figuring out what your no, number no, no. 10 Let, let's, is. You know what? Let's go through your list. Let's okay. go through your list. And then anywhere where I have a variance, I can answer to it because I have a feeling we're going to have some overlap here. Okay. So should we talk about the Shawshank Redemption or not? Let's talk about Shawshank Redemption. We'll touch on it. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Okay. So Shawshank Redemption, it's a good movie. It's a terrific film. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It holds up for me. It's weird. It's not one, you know, like I know that this movie, especially now, like it wasn't so much at the time, but especially now it's become like this, this classic. It's a masterpiece. It's a thing that everybody, you know, and I guess I've always really appreciated it and everything, but I've never put it on that pedestal, you know? Mm -hmm. So, I mean, like, yes, it, it makes my top 10 of the year, but it's not, you know, it's not a movie which I revisit, you know, there's people who, you know, they watch it every single time it comes on TNT, you know, right. which is like every week or whatever. Like, I don't, I don't, I don't do that. I got, I saw it in the theater. It was probably the first time that I saw it in like five or six years. And I probably won't watch it again for another five or six years, but it, it is very skillfully made yeah. And, uh, you know, the story is great. The performances are great and everything, but it doesn't reach that elite level that it does for, for everyone else. It for reaches me. the elite level for me specifically because, number one, I think that in a storied career with a lot of terrific performances, this is possibly Morgan Freeman's best hour. Um, he's, he is the soul of this film. You know, like that, that's the whole thing is when I watch Shawshank Redemption, it, it's not Andy's movie. It's it's Red's. Mm-hmm. And that scene where Red is at the that last parole board hearing and he, you know, he lays it out there is just as magnificently delivered a scene as Sam Jackson at the end of Pulp Fiction saying, truth is, Ringo, you're the we like those are those are just masterclass acting moments. Yeah. But beyond Morgan Freeman, Clancy Brown as you know, the, as the guard is the monstrous guard is a delight. He's the type of villain that you love to hate and he makes me laugh because he's so 
cartoonishly evil. Like it's enjoyable to watch his evil. Um, and then, uh, you know, and I forget the actor's name, but the guy who played Brooks, like basically the supporting cast in this is so incredibly strong. This is a movie that would have been enjoyable just with two strong leads. But Darabont gets incredible performances from every single person that's on screen. And right down to the guy who, you know, in the flashback is talking, you know, confessing to killing uh, Dufresne's wife and her lover. And it's just... No, I, I think that's what raises it to the elite level. So, yeah. yeah. Okay. All right. So, so you want me to give my number nine? I do. I do. Okay. It's clear and present danger. Really? Yeah. Yeah. Huh. It, it, again, this is kind of a weird one, and it didn't it didn't work as well for me watching it this time as as it has in in years past. But I still think it's really strong. I mean, it's got that you know, cool political thriller thing going on for, you know, for it. But at the same time, I, I don't know, I think it's, it's a little bit deeper than that, you know, and I mean, there's, there's this, uh, it, it packs quite a bit of a punch. And, and I think that it also has this kind of, I don't know, intelligence behind it, which is lacking in a lot of these types of movies, as we've seen in 1994. Mm-hmm. Um, and, you know, Harrison Ford is great, of course. So I, I would put it on my top 10. Yeah. I'm going to differ with you. I just, I, uh, especially on this rewatch, I had a higher opinion of it in my memory. And then watching mm-hmm. it this time, there were just enough moments where I just drifted out of engagement with it that uh, just didn't work for me as well. And so it wound up, wound up more like lower middle of the pack for me for 94 this time. Okay. All right. And that was one where like when I watched it this time, I was like, I like going into it. I'm like, this is probably going to be higher on my list than I thought it would be. You know, and then I watched it and I'm like, nah, I think it's going to be lower. It's not going to make my list. And then looking back at, you know, the rest of the stuff for the year it's like yeah yeah this even though it's not as good as i remember it's still better than a lot of this other stuff you know fair enough fair enough so all right number eight i guess you could say this is kind of i don't know and not a guilty pleasure but maybe subjective more than objective or something uh star trek generations it definitely uh, is <laughs> Maybe, but at the same time, I mean, it does take me to like a a warm and fuzzy place uh, that most of these movies don't. And when I look at, you know, things like, let's say, Clear and Present Danger and Shawshank Redemption, I mean, I'd rather watch Star Trek Generations than those. And as much as it does have a bad reputation and as many flaws as it may have, there's a lot of really good stuff in there, too. I still say it's better than all good things. Uh, you know, mm. that sort of thing. And uh, I, it, it's definitely up there in terms of Star Trek movies for me. And I think it's reasonable for me to put it at number eight. Okay. And I will okay. let you. I will not stand right. in your way. Not okay. All. Yeah. All right. Number seven is a movie which was the biggest blind spot of the year for me and something which I finally just caught up with yesterday. So I felt like kind of bad about putting it on my top 10 list because it's like wait how can i do that because i just watched it yesterday i haven't had 25 years to sit and think about this but at the same time why did i even bother watching it if it didn't have a chance to end up on my list yeah and that movie's hoop dreams i'm so glad you saw it finally 
Finally. I'm so incredibly glad you finally saw it. Did it live up to the hype? Uh, yeah, I pretty much did. Um, it, it's uh, obviously, you know, it's this great story about these two kids and everything and the struggle of their lives and speaks a lot about the world that they're living in. You know, it's not so much about, I mean, it's about their struggle, but it's not so much about them as it is about the system and yep. the world that they're in. Right. Mm -hmm. And that I thought was really interesting and well done. And the other thing just from like a personal level. And, and, and I think one of the things which made me really be able to relate to it so much is the fact that this all took place right in my backyard. I mean, like mm -hmm. right in my backyard, like, you know, there's the whole thing where they're like, Oh, you know, the, these, these kids are living on the West side of Chicago and then they're going to high school in the suburbs in Westchester and they have to take, you know, public transportation and it takes them three hours round trip. Like, I mean, I'm, I'm, not exaggerating when I say that in order for them to get to school, they would literally have to pass by the house that I was living in mm -hmm. at the time, you know, like that's how close this was. I mean, the filmmaker lived in the same town that I did, you know, I mean, it's, it's, uh, and, and because of that, because like everything there was, was recognizable to me, every school that they talked about every, you know, place that they visited and stuff like that it, it it really did i think impact me more than it would have if it had just been sort of this far off place like let's say it all took place in dc mm -hmm. you know it would not be as relatable as it is to me and and because of that i mean like we were like looking stuff up on wikipedia and seeing like you know oh that guy was arrested <laughs> like two blocks from our house a couple of years ago, you know, like that sort yeah. of thing, like, <laughs> which is I mean, even like more heartbreaking when you think about it. Right. It, it's, it, yeah, yeah. Yeah. But I mean, it, it worked really well for me. Yeah. 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 And 94 was definitely, you know, uh, uh, a, a year that dealt with, you know, plenty of sports and movies and stuff like that. And, you know, basketball was on the mind, uh, even of William Friedkin back in 94. So, oh uh, yeah. Yeah. With, uh, White men can't jump. No, right? blue chips. Oh, oh yeah, it was Ron Shelton who did White Men yes. Can't Jump. Yeah, yes. Yeah, yeah. Okay. Yeah. yeah. All right. So yeah, number seven. All right. Surprise for me, I guess. Not. I mean, not not that I was surprised, but no, I'm late, I'm thrilled. That, edition. I'm thrilled that you saw it. And I'm thrilled that it resonated because that that is a film that uh, really sticks with you. Really sticks yeah. with you. Yeah. Yeah. All right, number six is speed. Yep, fair enough. Yeah, uh, again, it didn't work as well for me this time. Uh, most movies that I watched did not work as well for me as they did uh, over the years, you know. But I mean, I think that that's kind of that thing they talk about, you know, like why is it that the good old days are always whatever year you graduated from high school? You know, I mean, that's just the way it works, right? So, yeah. But I mean, still, I mean, the action and everything in this movie, top notch, uh, certainly, you know, star making performances for Keanu Reeves and uh, Sandra Bullock and, you know, 
fantastic action movie. And and uh, one of two terrific supporting roles from Jeff Daniels this year. Um, what was the other one? Oh, you know full well what the other one was, Mike. Okay, all right. You know I'm full just, well. Just hoping it was something else. I didn't no, mean, whatever. No. Okay, number five, True Lies. Uh, an, another one which didn't quite live up to whatever, but I, I still think this movie is is pretty great. Uh, some of it is a little dated, you know, for sure. Uh, very dated now, but um, God, J- James Cameron knows how to make a movie, even when it's just a little insignificant James Bond type farce, you know? I, uh, yeah, it, this definitely didn't hold up, uh, for me on the rewatch, um, particularly well, it's not bad. Uh, and Bill Paxton, like no matter what Bill Paxton and Tom Arnold, you know, you want to talk about, you want to talk about supporting roles that, you know, help power a movie, uh, you know, they help power true lies and, you know, and that takes nothing away from Jamie Lee Curtis. Cause this was, you know, this was really the movie that sort of like reinvigorated her career, uh, you know, after years of sort of being there but not really having a hit yeah 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 i, I mean it's just extremely well made trash you know you know which i i don't say that in a bad way but i you know what i mean like yeah like cameron is is known for making these like finely crafted movies which have you know sort of like perfect structures and everything like that and in this one it's just like kind of like what you would expect from like an Arnold your typical Arnold Schwarzenegger but made by like one of the greatest filmmakers in the world I I think that that's a really cool I don't know fusion or something it was a way of getting some stuff out of a system before he went on and made Titanic Yeah. yeah yeah all right number four and here's where I feel like we're getting into the really good stuff, mm-hmm, right? Mm-hmm. Number four is Ed Wood. Oh, yeah. That's an excellent film. We were just talking about Dolomite is My Name, and that's the same writers doing kind of the same thing, right? Yeah. And, and, and that's one of the reasons why I'm looking forward to watching Dolomite is My Name so much because, I mean, they did such a fantastic job with Ed Wood. Yeah. I mean... I, I love, love, love Batman and Batman Returns. But if I, you know, try to look at Tim Burton's filmography from like a logical perspective, I have to say that this is his best movie, right? It's got to be. I have, I have not watched it in many years, but I have a very pronounced soft spot for Big Fish. Uh, I know that I tend to be in the minority for that. Um but uh, I really enjoy Big Fish, and I still have uh, tremendous fondness for Big uh, for uh, Pee Wee's Big Adventure, um, because I think that's just I think that's just a, a comedy classic. Um, but then I also uh, like uh, you know Pee Wee's Playhouse. So you know what are you gonna do? Um, but yeah, like it, it, Ed Wood is definitely more in. It's a more natural movie for Tim Burton. He's much more at home doing Ed Wood than he is doing Batman. And I think yeah. Batman Returns is the product of the guy who wants to make Ed Wood being forced to make another Batman movie. You know? Yeah. 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 All right. Number three. 
Now, now, now we're as as this mm-hmm. uh, we're getting more and more into the. I have a feeling I know where we're going, but yeah, yeah. Number three, I don't know. You might be surprised, uh-huh. honestly, mm. by by the, the the last three here. Okay. Number three, natural born killers. Mm. Um, I mean, I, I I've loved this movie ever since I've seen it, but my love for it has only grown. This is one where you know, like some of these others, like True Lies and stuff like that. You know, my opinion has diminished over the years. For Natural Born Killers, my opinion has only gone up for this movie. Every time I watch it, I'm just amazed at how they made it. I cannot figure out how they made this movie. The editing is uh, so amazing, and the photography is so amazing, and it's so relentless. And my God, I mean, it just, it's an exhausting experience, but it is fantastic it definitely makes an impression i will agree with you there for sure it makes an impression yeah uh you know i I mean the thing is you got to keep in mind as you know as we said in our our discussion like back when it came out like i had the soundtrack i saw the movie more than once in the theater but it just didn't it doesn't you know over time work as well um, you know, and I, I just soured on it over time. Although I still think that the soundtrack, uh, as produced by Trent Reznor, was uh, an absolute work of art. Um, yeah. And well worth the listen. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. Definitely. Okay, number two. Mm-hmm. Now, uh, was, I don't know. We'll see. You may be surprised by this. Mm-hmm. Number two. Yeah. Clerks. Okay. Wow. I am surprised that it's not number one. I know, I right? Lie. I'm surprised that it's not number one. I won't one. lie. I mean, this is this is a movie which is. I mean, I I don't know. I I don't I don't know how I can stress how important this movie is to my life. Right? Mm-hmm. Like it was formative for me like it, it it showed me like what could be done it showed me what was being done it exposed me to like indie cinema for the first time but it also like exposed me to um the idea of making movies like it, it took away that sort of like abstract idea of like, oh, this is something which is done by thousands of people in Hollywood with millions and millions of dollars and special effects companies and everything like that. Like a movie can be a couple of guys sitting around a convenience store and, you know, the, you can tell a story that way. I know it sounds very basic, but that's what it was, you know, and uh, yeah, I, the impact of that. I mean, you could maybe say like, well, natural born killers, you know, is is more skillfully made or something like that. But I, I, I don't think that we should diminish what it was that Kevin Smith did with this movie, because even though it was amateurish and stuff like that, he did have a style. He did have a voice mm-hmm. which was unique and which was extremely influential, not just to me, but to a generation, really. Yes. And I, I, I think this movie holds up. I, I go back and forth. This may be his best movie. 
Chasing Amy may be better. I'm not sure. But it's one of these two. It's a masterpiece. So what's your number one? I got to know. Well, I mean, I think you probably figured it out, right? No. What's your number Seriously? one? Seriously? Dumb and okay. Dumber. It's Dumb and Dumber. Spoilers. No. Surprise, everybody. He wound up loving Dumb and Dumber. He thought about no. it after I talked to him. No, unfortunately, no. Dumb and Dumber did not. You know, I mean, when I sat down to watch Dumb and Dumber, I, nothing would have made me happier than to put that at number one on my list. If that would have been better than this movie, it would have changed my life. And that's what I'm looking for when I watch a movie. And mm -hmm. Didn't happen with Dumb and Dumber, but it did happen with this movie, Pulp Fiction. Yeah. 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 It defined movies for like a decade at least, or two decades, maybe three, maybe up until now. Yeah. It changed everything. And I, I, I mean, what, what else is there to say about it? It's just, it's Pulp Fiction. People talk about... Uh, and rightly so. The first time they saw Star Wars in the theater, or the first time they saw this, I can still remember the first time, you know, all right, everybody be cool. This is a robbery. And you, you know, words I can't say on the show and everything. And then that guitar strike and just Pulp Fiction coming up on screen and just almost breaking out into laughter and saying, oh, this is going to be fun. This is going to yeah. be so good. And sitting there for the entire time, just spellbound. And then revisiting it for 94, I, like it, it amazes me because I keep expecting to go back and revisit Tarantino movies and be like, well, you know, maybe it's not as good as I thought. Nope. Like I can't, th this, is, this is what's frustrating is, you know, Joey gets another mention because, you know, he's gotta be, he's been mentioned so many times as we talk about okay. 94. But um, he, he kind of hates that I'm such a Tarantino fanboy. But honestly, if anybody has earned my love on the level of Tarantino, like it's Nolan and Lucas and Tarantino. Like it's a name that gets me in the movie theater. New film from Quentin Tarantino. Okay. All right. Sure. I'll see it. We had a, we had a little, little bit of a rough spot around, you know, Kill Bill Volume 1 and, uh, and Death Proof. But we worked it out. We worked it out. And, uh, you know, it, the, the, the love endures. So, yeah. 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 I, I just uh, showed my family their first Tarantino movie. What? Once Upon a Time in Hollywood. And, wow. Uh, they, they all liked it quite a bit. And uh, but but this is his masterpiece, right? Pulp Fiction. I mean, the thing is, you got like this is his statement. This is such an, an artistic statement. Everything springs from this. You see the seeds of everything he's going to do uh, for, you know, from here on out. Everything, every aesthetic that he's going to embrace, every trick of storytelling that he's going to try is starting here. And so, you know, like, is it my favorite? No, it's not even my favorite Tarantino film. But it is like I watch Once Upon a Time in Hollywood or Hateful Eight or even Death Proof. And I'm like, oh, yep. Okay, like you can see his growth. It's a lot like Nolan. Like if you go back through Nolan's work, you can watch, uh, you know, Inception and then, you know, The Dark Knight and The Prestige and all. And you're like, oh, okay. And, oh, I, he, okay. That's where he taught himself that trick and that's where it came forward. But then you can go all the way back, you know, to Nolan, go to Memento and you're like, 
there it is. It's all his roadmap is laid out on how he's going to mess with everything right here. And that's, you know, that's what Pulp Fiction is for sure. Yeah. 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 All right. Yeah. Even I don't think Dumb and Dumber is better than Pulp Fiction. Okay. All so. right. All right. All right. Well, what about your list? Okay. What's, See, what's th- your number 10? This is what's going to be tough. Okay. Because we ha- we do have so much overlap. Okay. That's fine. That's fine. We can, you know, All whatever, right. we'll deal with it. Well, I, I, I'm going to start from top down because I have a four-way tie for first. Okay. okay. And it's, it's Hoop Dreams and it's Shawshank and it's Pulp Fiction and it's Forrest Gump. So, like tennis, you can't, you can't do a four-way tie here. You got to pick I just one. Did. There can be Ooh, only one. It's magic. I just did it. I just <laughs> did a four-way tie for number. Okay, fine. You're gonna force me. You're gonna put my feet on the fire. I yeah. gotta pick a number one. And then I gotta go with Shawshank. Okay, that's fair. But it's it's a horse race between that and Pulp Fiction. Like okay. some days, Pulp Fiction, I'll be like, ah, you know what? That's actually a better movie. But Shawshank so profoundly still reverberates inside that it's just and it's it's such a moving tribute to the indomitability of the human spirit that it's just and even to think that the source material that it came from like it the short story that it came from is good but to think that this film came from that is like next level boggling of the mind but that's why pulp fiction like i can turn around and argue well you know pulp fiction is technically the better film because that's just tarantino just sat down and just came up with that and it's like you know it's it's a postmodern synthesis of everything he watched and it's crazy and imaginative and you know insane uh so but if i'm forced to then i gotta give it to to shawshank uh and two to pulp fiction i would give three to hoop dreams and i'd give four to forrest gump I'm torn because since I didn't revisit Clerks, am I allowed to put it on my list? Of course you're allowed to put it on your list. But, I mean, we we didn't talk about Forrest Gump. I love Forrest. You don't love Forrest Gump. No. We've established that. Yeah. I love Forrest Gump. And I realized what makes Forrest Gump work as I was thinking back on uh, The Irishman. And, uh, you know, I love The Irishman and I love Casino and of course, I love Goodfellas, and they're they're like a little triptych. They're you know they they all work together. They're telling they're telling American history from a, a unique perspective. And it was at that point that I realized Goodfellas and pulp and uh, and I'm sorry, Forrest Gump are essentially the same sort of approach to telling American history, where you have a guy. And you follow him through the decades and you see these events that and these time periods that maybe you remember or maybe you've heard about. And they both go through a march through the 20th century, but they're from two radically different perspectives. And with Forrest Gump, it's definitely the much more touchy feely and the much more, you know, heartwarming uh, sort of way of telling the story. But I love Forrest Gump, not just because of Tom Hanks as Forrest Gump, and I love the character, and I love what it says about, you know, that anybody is the hero of the story, and they don't even need to realize it, sort of thing. Like, to to Forrest Gump, his role in these different historical events isn't at all important to him. You know, there's no fake humility, there's no... He's just a guy living his life and history is what happens around him. 
And like, that's the story of the American experience and everything. And I, I, I love it. I love Forrest Gump for that reason. And yeah, you know, um, even back then, even back before I was a dad, well before I was a dad, you know, the scene at the end when, you know, it's his son carrying on and like, it's just, it's such an incredibly touching scene and then the feather flying away. Like it, it's just, it's, you know, you never know who you're going to run across and you never know what they've done or what they're going through. But if you can sit down and just talk to somebody, you can find out that there's something amazing going on all around you. So that's why I love Forrest Gump. So, okay. Yeah. And that's why I was, you know, part of my original four way tie for number one, which you made smash up you heartless monster. Um, yeah, you know, but, uh, yeah, that's, this is the thing is I love, beating up on Kevin Smith just to get a reaction from people who love Kevin Smith. But Clerks does kind of deserve the number five spot on my list because of all the reasons you mentioned. And because I also remember watching it and loving it and watching it many, many times. And, you know, just thinking, wow, this is, this is, it was the first movie I would say that seemed to be speaking you know, quote unquote, my language. And I'm not talking about the Star Wars conversation, but Smith has a gift for dialogue and it's very apparent in Clerks. And that's that's what powers the whole thing. So, yeah. Yeah. You need to watch Jay and Silent Bob reboot. Mm. So I think you'd like that one quite a bit. My journey with Tarantino would be like the mirror universe. Like my journey with Kevin Smith is the mirror universe version of that. So okay. I'm very reticent to go to a Kevin Smith movie now. Like I understand not liking some of his movies. I, I like all of his movies except for, you know, yoga hosers really. That that was a pretty bad one. But like I understand not liking some of his movies. I understand how some of them don't work tremendously well. But Jay and Silent Bob reboot regardless of what you thought of his previous movies is a return to form in the sense that for one thing, it's a bit more, this is going to sound weird, restrained, a bit more polished, but it's also uh, more like his earlier work, you know? Okay. So, I mean, this is, that that could get me to watch it. That could get me to watch it. I I mean, you know, it's, it's not exactly the most principled stance in the world. Um, you know, I'm not going to like refuse to see it, but it's just not at the top of my to-do list. Sort of okay. Thing. So, all right. Um, so what's your number six? Number six, I'm going to have to give to the Hudsucker proxy, yeah. uh, which I, I find to making my list. I, I find to be a delightful uh, movie to this day. Uh, and I think Paul Newman is, is a joy in it. And I didn't get to go see, uh, nobody's fool, which was our our second Paul Newman, but um, you know, Hudsucker Proxy is better. Oh, I believe. Um, and and I think that it's it's honestly one of the Coen Brothers' best movies. Yeah, I mean Lebowski's number one, of course. <laughs> it's sort of a given at this point, isn't it? Yeah, but I mean, I really like True Grit, you know, and there's a few others, but Hudsucker Proxy is pretty high up there. Yeah. yeah. Uh, number seven, I am going to have to give to Speed because even though I'm not particularly in love with it and it is cheesy and it's silly and it's corny and maybe it didn't work as well for me 
as it could have. Um, Dennis Hopper's great as as the villain, and yeah. you know Sandra Bullock's great. So, um, and it is still a good action movie. Still interesting yeah. to watch. Um, and you know, <laughs> I can't, I can't not think of The Simpsons with you know the bus that couldn't slow down. <laughs> um, yeah. So uh, then I would probably give uh, number eight to um, Ed Wood. So we've talked about Ed Wood. Number nine would wind up going to the Inkwell, uh, which was uh, the movie about, uh, you know, a, a black family that goes out to Martha's Vineyard and sort of the cultural stuff. It's an imperfect movie. Uh, there are definitely things that um, could have been worked out better about it, but um, I found it to be pretty touching and worth the watch. Um, yeah, that's a, a bit of a an unusual choice, you know, one that, I mean, I don't think I was even familiar with until we did this series. Yeah. So, yeah. Uh, and then the thing is my heart, cause I'm just going by rankings, you know, at this point and I love the Santa Claus and it got a better rating than the movie. I'm going to give number 10 because number 10, I have every right to put on my list, a guilty pleasure, a, a movie that most people might not even like, but I have to surviving the game with ice tea and Rutger Hauer and Gary Busey. And for Pete's sake, a bunch of people where you look at it and you say, why are you in this movie? You're better than this, but man, it's just, it is, it is a, it is a, an exploitation movie picked up and dropped into 1994. So, yeah, fine. I'll give it number 10. Why not? Because if this movie is on and I'm walking through a room, not that this happens in the age of, you know, post-television age or whatever, but if this movie were to be on while I was walking through a room, I would sit down and be like, all right, I'll watch this. Sure. So there you go. I'm trying to remember whether or not I actually watched this movie. I don't think you did. Okay. Because if yeah, you had, I it would be in your top like 10 I wanted list. to see it, but, you know, maybe I couldn't find it or something. Yeah. I feel like I watched it, but I don't remember anything about it. And I guess I didn't see it, you know? I really thought... You should. I might have. You really okay. should, because it is cheesy fun. And I believe at the time, uh, and I believe this, um, Gary Busey's monologue, uh, when he's talking to Ice-T at the dinner table, ranks up there with some of the most no i i did see this this okay. is the one it was like the most dangerous game one right yeah and i see like as a homeless guy, guy that they hire up the street yeah, to hunt. And yes like bring him to, okay i did see this oh, okay good yeah yeah it didn't make my top 10 well that's a shame <laughs> it really shouldn't make my top 10 but you know what why not yeah why not why not yeah all right cool cool there you go uh can we have uh dishonorable mentions real quick for movies sure. that uh, were, give, give me your, give me your two least favorite of the year, or what you thought were the two weakest. Well, uh, the, the weakest, and I looked. Uh, the only one that I gave only one star was Dumb and Dumber. That blows Sorry. my mind. That blows it, my mind. Okay, it's not. because one star is your bottom. You don't go below one. Right. I do the half star stuff. Okay. And I also do zero stars. Yeah. So you never went below one star. 
No. Okay. No. And so like, so Dumb and Dumber didn't even go for you below, I don't recall if you watched Terminal Velocity with Charlie Sheen. Oh yeah, no, Dumb and Dumber is way worse than Terminal Velocity. Disagree. Uh, You didn't watch Mixed Nuts. No, I didn't watch that one. I mean, yeah, see, that's the thing is every year I hope that I haven't seen the worst movie of the year, you You, know? You didn't watch Double Dragon. No, I didn't. Nor the Page Master. What about the Page Master? No, and Mm. that that one might have, you know, topped it. Like knowing, you know, seeing the trailer for that, I could see that one topping. Drop Zone? I didn't. I didn't watch that, but mm. I'm. I'm sure that I would have liked that one more. The Jungle Book. Oh, that probably would have beat it too. <laughs> There's no mm. way I was watching that. City Slickers Sorry. Two: The Legend of Curly's Gold. I mean, that would have been neck and neck because I no. didn't even like the first City Slickers. No, so, that you know. City Slickers Two would have been oh, North. You would have ranked I North. See, I didn't see okay. North. Bad yeah. Girls. You would rank Bad Girls above Dumb oh. and Dumber. Bad Girls was definitely better. That is incorrect. That is, yeah. I'm sorry, survey says no. Um, threesome is worse than Dumb oh, and Dumber, for sure. No, that that was way better. No. Um, on Deadly Ground, featuring Steven Seagal. I didn't see that one. And Michael Caine. I promise you that's worse than Dumb and Dumber. And the thing yeah. is, I, I say that just, just to have fun with you. I like Dumb and Dumber. Dumb and Dumber's a funny yeah. movie. Uh, but getting even with but, Dad, I didn't see that mm. one. Wyatt Earp. Uh, Wyatt Earp was way better. Yeah. You give Dumb and Dumber one star. I give Wyatt Earp one star. Okay. So it's weird. Like I'm going back and looking at my diary on Letterboxd, and there's a lot of these which I'm not seeing, and I don't know if I have to re-examine them or did I forget to put them on there? Have I seen more movies than I thought I have this year? I I, I think so. I think so. I I definitely didn't like. Uh, I definitely, uh, okay, um, I definitely would put Dumb and Dumber above Beverly Hills Cop 3. I mean, I didn't like Beverly Hills Cop 3, but yeah, okay. I'd put it above Cabin Boy. No. Yeah. No. I mean, I don't like that movie either, but. It was way better than Reality Bites. No, definitely Yeah, not. it was. It was better than Wolf or Blink <laughs> or Intersection. <laughs> In I fact, all those more. in fact, I will outrage you and say it was better than Star Trek Generations. Oh, I mean, I, I that doesn't surprise me that you would say that. I think a lot of people would say that. I mean, I understand that most people like Dumb and Dumber. I you know. know. Yeah. Um, I mean, where the movie which we, I don't know, liked but didn't. I mean. Deadfall. Oh yeah, Deadfall. That's the you know that's the Ed Wood of the year, right? Deadfall is yes a special kind of memorable. Uh, but the thing is, Deadfall, while being terrible, has one of the most memorable, if not the most memorable, Nicolas Cage performance. You know, in history. Oh yeah, and it's exciting to think that he might revisit the character. Because I want him to. I really want him to. I mean, do you think he's going to revisit? I know that they're reteaming to make another movie, but I don't think it's to revisit. I mean, I that want would it, be amazing. I want it to right. use Irishman style de aging 
and I want an origin story for this character. Okay. Yes. And I want you to bring back Michael Bean too. I mean, I would definitely watch that, no doubt, but yeah. Yeah. That would be something. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, Deadfall definitely that is that is a special kind of awful. Oh, yeah. Um without a doubt. Because there there's so I mean, you know, I, I just went through the the litany there, but there were so many so many movies that I didn't like in 1994. And it, yeah. it just, I've said it before, and I know you agree with it. I think we both share this thesis, is that people forget that the majority of movies, no matter what the volume, the majority of movies that come out kind of stink. Yeah, everybody remembers the great stuff, right? But I mean, my, I mean, so, so what, they just announced that like 340 movies came out last year or something, you know, that are eligible for Oscars, right? Like it's like 340 movies or something. Yeah. But like, you know, I was talking to someone about this and they were saying like, if you look at it, like the, the number of movies which are actually released, like on any sort of substantial level is about 150, right? So that means like 200 movies which came come out in a year like are basically so insignificant that they're not even really shown, right? Mm-hmm. I mean, I'm not saying that they're bad and, and obviously there's a lot of movies which are really small and you, know, you just can't find their market, but there's also a lot of movies like Deadfall, right? Yeah. I mean, there's a lot of things where it's like, oh, we're going to release that, but no one's going to go see it. So, yeah, it's the, 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 there's a lot of bad movies. That's the point. Yeah, yeah. But, you know, it's... Uh, I, I don't there's know. a lot of good ones, too, you know? And, I mean, those are the ones that we remember. Those are the ones that we revisit. And, I mean, you look at it as sort of like, on the whole, 1994, pretty great. Oh, I mean, I mean you know, you look at the top ten lists and, you know, it produced some really really memorable films and yeah you know you know that that makes it worthwhile maybe not as good as 99 definitely not as good as 99 but maybe more influential maybe mm. that would be interesting because yeah. 99 i actually have trouble recalling all the ones from there that would be you know matrix fight club oh, yeah. uh Magnolia. Mm, that's right. The Limey, The Sixth Sense, mm. the well, Star Wars yep. Episode One, um, The Insider, being John Malkovich. Oh, that's right. I forgot about The Insider. Man, that was. Yeah. Michael Mann is the great forgotten director of American cinema, man. He really is. Yeah. Really is. Yeah. Yeah. But, uh, you know, I, you know, I enjoyed touring through 94. It's been fun revisiting the year and reclaiming, uh, reclaiming the memories of the past. So sort of thing. I'm, I I am going to watch that Sinbad movie and I am going to take a look at 1995 and at least, you know, try to go through the ones that I I would be interested in seeing, you know, maybe not watch one every single week, but watch the ones that I would be interested in seeing and, yeah. familiarize myself with that and you know just see see what it's like yeah you know i uh i still have to get back and watch quiz show so yeah yeah you do go. that almost made my top 10 yeah yeah my top 10 could be upended by watching quiz show 
There you go. There you go. Could be a five-way tie. You never know. <laughs> yes. All right. So, John, where can people find you on the internet when they can't find you here? I am Kessel Junkie online. Find me on Twitter and Letterboxd and find me here on the network co-hosting Aggressive Negotiations, a Star Wars podcast uh, with uh, Matthew Rushing here on the Nerd Party. And uh, you can also hear me, uh, you know, listening to Bayhem, which is a Michael Bay podcast that Mike did for the Talk Film Society. You must have your headphones turned up really loud for people to be able to hear you listening to it's, Bayhem. I'm, I have tinnitus because of it. And also just from watching Michael Bay movies. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. If you go over to Talk Film Society, you can find Bayhem. I'm not sure if it's released for the general public yet because we dropped them all as a uh, Patreon exclusive first. Uh, but they'll be there eventually. Or you can just subscribe and then can get them all right now yeah subscribe um, man come on you can also find me on filmdamagepod.com doing a show called film damage uh you know we're posting some stuff there oh we'll have one that that you'll be interested in john um i just showed max solo a star wars story for the I, first I, time you know, mm. and he uh gave me his live reaction it's not a commentary but we paused it whenever we felt the need and then discussed what we saw as, as we were, as we were watching them. Well, there you so go. There you go. Check that out. And you can find me on trek.fm uh, doing tracks on the line where we uh, provide audio commentary for episodes of Star Trek Picard. So, Oh, yeah. that's right. That's coming out. Yeah. Star Trek Picard. Yeah, it is. On the it's horizon. Exciting. Yeah. And you can also find me on Twitter and Letterboxd at Mumbles3K. All right. Well, Mike, you want to you wanna give the sign-off one last time for 1994? All right. As always, be kind. Rewind. Join the revolution. Join the nerd party.